I grew up in a Christian home, so my family was in church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We always managed to live just in the closest neighborhood to the church, so we lived all around that circumference of where the church was at, so we could walk to church and attend every single one of those services. We also had vigilias, which meant we were sleeping under the pews while my family was praying, my mom and my dad were praying all night long. I grew up in one of those families where family was important. Like everything was family, la familia primero. And my dad used to do this little thing in whenever anyone would come and visit. Because you see, in the culture and in the upbringing that I had, it wasn't just the immediate family. It was the church family. It was the extended family. It was la comunidad. So I have thousands of aunts and uncles that are not blood-related and so many cousins all over spread out through different parts of the United States and Latin America that really are not family by blood, but they're family by cultura. And then, of course, there's this huge and beautiful umbrella of family because we are the people of God. And the church was a place for us of refuge, of unity, of community, of oneness, of togetherness. So my dad uh, played baseball because he's Puerto Rican, and you know that's part of what's uh, inbreded, embedded within your head. I'm a New York Mets fan, in case you're wondering, because my daddy is a New York Mets fan. And my dad, uh, you know, was his personality is sort of like a magnet. You just like him. You meet him and, and you like him. People like him. And my mom like, is an amazing woman. And uh, she would just draw people in, loved to cook, had a gift of hospitality. Like, man, I, I don't think I've ever seen it before. My mom, uh, rest in peace, uh, went to be with the Lord. Uh, it's going to be two years in December. And uh, she battled with Alzheimer's for many, many years. So if you saw me break down there, it is because Levanto Mis Manos was her song. And I've not heard it since uh, she went to be with uh, Jesus. And I could not help myself but listen more closely to the words of that song because here was my mom, a woman who struggled with Alzheimer's for so many years, early onset Alzheimer's. And I kid you not, the only thing she never forgot is that she was going to the mission field. The words that would come out of her mouth, and in English, Mommy, how are you? Boy, boy, pal mission field. Those were her words. She forgot a lot of things, but there's two things she never forgot. Jesus, and the work that Jesus called her, and her family. And so she was this kind of person where she created that kind of atmosphere. So guess whose house was the house of the block, the house of the church, where everybody hung out? It was my house. My mom could cook, and she could cook good Puerto Rican food. And my dad was fun. That's the perfect mix, right? I don't know if I inherited any of it. But my dad would say this, especially when little kids would walk into her house. He would say, somos... Or no somos. 
Somos o no somos. And if we would bring friends over, he would not immediately engage them with this, but by the night was over, he would say, bueno, somos o no somos. And then he chuckles, still does this till today, and then he chuckles and he waits for an answer, a response. Are we or are we not? Are we friends or are we not friends? And as you can expect from little kids, sometimes they were quick to say, we are, somos, and then he'd do this little crazy handshake. And for those who were not ready, that would hide behind their parents and say no. He'd lay off a little bit and give them time. I feel like this passage here sort of introduces this to this concept of somos o no somos. And I want you to know that I approach this text with trepidation. I don't approach it just with a lot of simplicity because there's some crazy, whack things happening surrounding this text. Like, it's wild. If you've not read it, if you like novelas, this is your jam. Forget about Marvel. You want to read this story. It is crazy. It's literally a war zone. I'm not going to go into describing the entire context, but I don't want us to ignore it. Instead, I want to invite you to situate yourself amidst this turmoil, the fighting and the war zone that is going on. And I don't want to pose anything upon you, but I don't want you so far removed that you lose sight of the fact that we're living crazy times. And that not in a sense of comparison, we've got our own little war zones. I mean, even just getting here, uh, I had COVID and my husband had COVID back in August, and I'm still trying to recover from it. And there's people who are able to recover uh, quickly. There was three of us that had COVID of people that I know. One of them is in a ventilator, and one of them has gone to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that plays in my head. And I want you to know that we live just in chaotic times. There's just one sliver. It's not my story, it's your story. If you just stop to reflect on your own life, you come to a realization, man, it's chaotic. We are living crazy times politically, socially, academically, physically, there is not any area. Your finances are affected by it. Your relationships are affected by it. We are living in crazy times. That's why I'm grateful for the people who have been so patient with me to allow me the space to be here with you. Thank you. There's two primary characters in this passage that you have heard. Jehu is a military commander, man. That's his world. That's where he's coming from. And he's got clout with where he's at. But the prophet Elijah sends one of his disciples to where Jehu is, and he says, you're going to anoint Jehu as king. Friends, Jehu is not expecting this. This is not in the roster of things that are supposed to happen throughout that day. But this student who is not excited about the task that he has been given nonetheless goes to Ramath Gilead and he takes Jehu in this inner chamber in this closed area and he tells uh, Jehu, hey dude, 
I've got a mission. My mission is to anoint you as king. You are king. You're anointed. And he books out of that place and starts running out to the degree that Jehu says, man, this is a mad man. He gives Jehu his mission. You're going to be the agent of justice. An agente of divine judgment. You're going to bring destruction to the house of Ahab. No wonder Jehu was like, you're crazy. No thanks, I am not signing up for that job. But his colegas, the other commanders, which he's hanging out with, they ask him, hey, what did he have to say? Jehu's like, ah, this is crazy business. They said, no, no, come on, please, tell us. You ever been in those rooms? No, no, come on, please, tell us. Yeah, we want to know. So Jehu says, yeah, yeah, man, he just kind of said that, that I'm king. <laughs> I added that part. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> All of a sudden, out of nowhere, all of these other commanders and all the people that were in that room bow down, they take off their cloaks, they put it down, and they proclaim him as king. Just a few minutes before, he thought this was a madman, and all of a sudden, everybody is responding to this appointment that he has had. Nothing that crazy has ever happened to me in my life. But here's Jehu been anointed as king, and he's tearing down all kinds of altars and destroying everything and anything that's connected to Ahab. He slaughters Ahab's family. He tears down all the gods of Baal. And I mean, he's just on a ramp, and he is going crazy himself. A really, really short period of time, he's managed to do some things that other kings had not been able to accomplish. And so he establishes quite a reputation for himself. And so the word about him has spread, and it spread really, really, really quickly. And either you're terrified of him, or you're stepping out and risking all kinds of stuff in order to be able to join Jehu on his mission. And then in comes Jehonadab. He's the leader of this movement, the Rechabites. It's a reformation movement. See, they, they don't approve about this lavish lifestyle that the royals have. And so some of the people in Israel and Judah, especially the royal families, were just kind of going overboard. And so this group of people lived in protest to that way of living. They were nomadic and lived in austerity, so no alcohol, no wine, no materialism, fully dependent upon God. If you go to Jeremiah 35, you'll read how they carried this on from one generation to another generation because of Jehonadab. And it says, no wine, your sons, nobody, don't build a house, don't sow seeds, don't plant a vineyard, don't have anything at all, just dwell in tents. And they obeyed this. So you're talking about two totally different kinds of personality that have this encuentro, that have this gathering. And verse 15 says that after Jehu was leaving of a destruction he had made, he meets Jehonadab. And Jehonadab was also on his way to meet Jehu. Now, it gives me this impression that these people are connected in some way. Perhaps they've met, perhaps they've had some kind of encounter. 
But when they greet each other and they see each other, Jehu asks a question that I think like, man, this is not like in sync with what is happening in here. He says, are you as good as a friend to me as I am to you? That is a loaded question in case you're wondering. Like, don't go to lunch and ask anyone, are you as good as a friend as I am to you? Maybe we should. I feel like this is a heart language kind of thing. Like, this is a loyalty kind of question. It, it kind of is intimate. And I don't want you to miss the fact that Jehu steps down from his carriage, from where he's at. So I don't know if he's seeing Jehonadab from a distance and he sees him, and he's stepping down like Jehu's the dude right now. He's in the limelight, but yet he's stepping down, and there may have been some greetings and some handshakes, maybe even, you know, some fist bumps or a hug or two. I don't know. But Jehu greets him with the question. His greeting is, somos o no somos? He asked Jehonadab, is thy heart right as my heart is with thy heart? Somos o no somos? Is your heart as true to mine as mine is to yours? Somos o no somos? Are you as loyal to me as I am to you? Somos o no somos? Somos o no somos? These two are two different people. They're coming from two totally different places. They have some things in common, and they have some things that are not in common. But they come into the scene in the same way. They're not trying to convince each other, hey, Jehu, come live the nomadic life. What they're asking is, man, we may not agree about every single little detail, but I'm not trying to convince you to be Latina when you're not. And don't ask me to be white, because I'm not. I'm not trying to convince you to, to be a Wesleyan from the Wesleyan church. Go ahead and be a Wesleyan from the United Methodist Church. I'm not trying to convince you to be who I am. But if we can just be friends and love each other enough to be able to agree on who the Lord Jesus Christ is in our lives, can we lend each other a hand? So... Uh, <laughs> John Wesley, you got to love him. I mean, you just got to love him. The Catholic Spirit, one of the most used sermons that he has preached, and sometimes within context and without context we use it. But he addresses this, and he talks about there's no inquiry between them concerning Jehonadab's opinion. Jehu does not ask Jehonadab what his mode of worship is. Although it's highly probable that there was some difference between them. But John Wesley says, I dare not, therefore, presume to impose my mode of worship on anyone. I ask not, therefore, of him with whom I would unite in love. Are you of my church, of my congregation? No. Let all these things stand by. We will talk of them if need be but at more convenient season. My only question at present is this. Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? A hard question. Are you right with God? Is your heart right with God? 
Now, that may look different for each one of us, but is your heart right with God? And then he asks a second question. Is thy heart right towards thy neighbor? Do thou love as thyself all mankind without exception? I love this question. This is crazy. Do your bowels yearn over them? Could you wish yourself temporarily accursed for their sake? And do you show this by blessing them that curse you and praying for those that despitefully use you and persecute you? I know your story, Cindy. I've lived your story. I know the story of some of you. I've lived your story. This tension, right, where things are not going the way that you expect and you find yourself in a place of conflict, man, and you want to be like that madman and just run out. The struggle's real. La lucha es real. After a series of I do not mean this, John Wesley says, the real call here is what I mean is love me. Can you love me? Can you love me as your fellow citizen, as your brother and sister in Christ, as a fellow soldier engaged in the same warfare, under the same captain of our salvation? Love me as a companion in the kingdom and patience of Jesus. The second thing he says, commend me in prayers, wrestle with God on my behalf. Thirdly, provoke me to love and good works. Fourthly, love me not in word only, but in deed and truth. Fam, somos o no somos? Love me. I belong to you. I checked in yesterday. I don't know what time I checked in. I've been traveling way too much, but I did check in yesterday. And when I walked into the inn, the person that was there, her name is Chi. You know what Chi told me? The nerve of her. <laughs> she said, Joanne, welcome home. Somebody better give her a raise. <laughs> Immediately, my heart was strangely warm. Immediately, I was reconnected to this community that I've not been a part of for over 15 years. Immediately, I belonged. Immediately, I was home. Because she, you know what she told me? She says, we've heard good things. God has been doing good things with your ministry. She doesn't even know me. She's never seen me before. I belong to Chi. And I didn't ask permission to, to use chi in my example. So please don't, don't use it against me. I broke your preaching rules. I belong to chi. Chi belongs to me. We've never met each other. We've never talked to each other. She doesn't know anything about me. I don't know anything about her. I have no idea where chi is right now. But... I belong to Chi, and Chi belongs to me. If her heart is right towards my heart, and my heart is right towards her heart, then Chi, lend me a hand. I'm thankful I, she handed me this little bag. 
the Latino Asbury way with all kinds of Hispanic little treats uh, in it. And I went into this wonderful room in this space where I felt like I was home. So what does that look like? The emergent doctor Sandra Maria Van Opsel talks about this in a worship context and thinking about hospitality, how we welcome others and mutuality, how we share leadership as in leading and being led by others. And in solidarity, are you standing with each other? Things that are important to somebody else? Yeah, sister, break out in the spontaneous song. I want it. My driver on the way here, we didn't talk a lot, but the brother had church in the van. He sang the whole entire way here. I belong to you and you belong to me. Man, I want to be in the presence of people that feel comfortable enough to belt it out. Whether they can sing or not is not a priority, but that they feel like they can worship God and break out in spontaneous song and dance. Somos? Oh no, somos. Why shouldn't I bring the fullness of who I am? Why shouldn't you bring in the fullness of who you are? Somos is not a singular word. It requires a you and me. So how can we do it if we belong to each other? How can we do it apart? No, come into my chariot. Come into my chariot and lend me a hand. The truth is that Jehonadad had much bigger of a reputation than Jehu did. And so Jehu is posturing himself to say, man, if you come and hang out with this homie, I will be even cooler than I am to the people right now, right? Come, let's do this together. Si somos then we are the repairers of the breach. We are the gente de puentes. We are people of the Spirit, gente del Espíritu Santo, gente de la basilea of the kingdom of God. Si somos, it means that you know that God has called you, that God has appointed you, that God has anointed you. And just in case you are doubting that for such a time as this, God has placed you where you are, embrace it. Somos o no somos. Either we are the people of God, recognizing what God has called us to do, or we're not the people of God. Let us be this people of God who God has chosen us as individual, but as a collective body to be the head and not the tail we are the light of the world we are a three-chord strand and we cannot be broken see so much so go deeper go deeper and deeper so when things are messy rise to the occasion chaos oh jay who knows the beginning of the world was chaos with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit brought things into order with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We too will be agents of change. Be a leader. Don't step down. But not just a leader. As my Wesleyan colleague John West says, we need leaders less focused on growing things bigger and more focused on multiplying things further. Making a disciple is not multiplication, don't stay there. It's addition. 
Making a disciple who make disciples is multiplication. Planting a church is not multiplication. Planting a church that plants a church is multiplication. Let's be that community. And you may not be at a space where you're planting the church, where this is just an idea or something that you have. But begin that way, knowing that this is the beginning and not the very end. Gentes, profetas, people of God. You see, no somos... I realize even for some people, this whole Hispanic thing, why are we even doing Hispanic Heritage Month, man? That's like not worth it. No judgment at all, man. No judgment. In order to be, we need to meet each other where we're at. Si no somos, how do I come alongside of you? How do I help you to see? How do I journey with you where you're at? Some of our experience, they wound us. They, they do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> what I loved about your testimony, Cindy, is that you talk, man, I have never seen this many white people. And then you do. And for some of you, it's, I've never seen Hispanics. And then you do. And then what do we do? Some of us leave those things unresolved and we don't, we don't deal with them. Si no somos, can we be? Si no somos, God is calling us to bridge the great divides. To be the people of God. Y si somos, and you may be a little wounded along the journey. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounds. If your heart is as my heart is towards you, lend me your hand. Let me show you the zeal of God that is within me. It may be a little crazy. Las montañas se moverán. It may be a little spicy. Pero si somos. Come up to the chariot. Come up to this space. And let's together, let's together be the people that God has called us to be. Familia, somos. O no somos. 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 La paz de Dios.